As we gather for worship this morning, please join us. So, one, two. Open my eyes to see life that's full of abundant free. Open my ears to hear whispers of heaven drawing near. Open my eyes to see life that's full of abundant free. Open my ears to hear whispers of heaven. peace of Christ be with you. As always, let us take three deep breaths, and in doing so, expand our awareness to recognize the presence of the living Spirit within and among us. Let us worship in beloved community. Good morning, Westminster. We are back with our backyard band. We've got Wyatt on drums. We've got Ben on bass. And we are playing songs that we hope you will sing along with. These are songs meant to be sung together. So our first song is Open the Eyes of My Heart. Please join us. Two, three, four. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you that much again. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy again to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. 
I do welcome you to worship wherever and whenever you are watching it. I know it's hard to feel connected in this form, but we can trust in the spirit to bind us together across this digital divide, across time and space, and we can work to uphold those connections. I encourage you to reach out as you would on a Sunday morning to others you notice worshiping with you,
to check in on them. And also to notice who you haven't seen in some time. Before the day is out, call someone, text or email someone. And if you're new, perhaps this is just the entree you need to a faith community where you can safely watch at home. I hope you feel welcome and encouraged to be a part of us and share your spiritual journey here. We're having a new members class soon, a marvelous thing in a time such as this. But if you'd like to know more about the life of this congregation, don't hesitate to reach out to me, to Bethany, or to anyone in leadership. Well, we are one body. And so let us join with our community prayer with one voice. Let us pray. Many of us have lived most of our lives in a world of fluidity and movement. We are grateful for these freedoms. And yet, many of us have also felt adrift with no tether. Sometimes we have looked askance at things or people we simply do not understand. We claim to be sophisticated and dismiss ancient wisdom. We secretly deem our religious tradition as archaic, simple, or incapable of helping us today. Open our eyes to see again. Convince us to treat our faith with the same vigor we do our work and our play, for it is both. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Know that we have been set free and be at peace. Amen. I want to invite all the children who are worshiping with us today to join me closer to the screen uh, for our time of discovery. So these, again, are all of my pretend superheroes, our pretend Barbies. Uh, but you are the real beautiful people. You are beautiful outside and in. We all think you're awesome. You are the real superheroes because you have not just been doing school. You've been learning and getting better and better in school, even when you're not at school. You're making your teachers proud by how hard you're working, you're helping your parents, you're helping all of us have hope and joy for the future because of how great you're doing. So thank you for being our real superheroes. Since you're not here, I gotta deal with all of you, my pretend superheroes. So it is what it is. <laughs> I wanna, Iron Man, <clears throat> I wanna, excuse me, I wanna show you something that we got recently. This is, um, my sons are really into Legos, and this is Iron Baby. That's what I call him, Iron Baby. Just little, isn't that cute? Here, hold out your hand, and I'm going to put him just right in your hand. No, Spider-Man, I did not get a, a Spider-Baby. I just got an Iron Man Baby. Uh, you know, my sons like to play with it, and it came with another toy, and we have a special guest today. Can you show us... 
can our special guest come in, Soul? This is Soul Shankle, and show us, Soul, where does the Iron Baby go? What is that? Um, Iron Man. He likes he he. There's like something he's. He stands on, and then when you put this like this, it looks like yeah, he has a head. Look at that! Isn't that cool? And this thing pumes right here, doesn't it? But it pumes super far. Since we don't want to pume in here, it might get lost because it has lots of stuff around here. It might get lost. We might get it lost. That's a good point. So, I noticed, Sol, at one point you stopped playing with this. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Black Widow. Let me grab you here. Not Black Widow. That's not Black Widow? Who is that? Uh, Hulk sister hulk sister okay my my mistake uh i noticed soul that you stopped playing with this iron man this one uh or you stopped playing with this one for a while but then we got you another iron man machine iron man you're gonna like this i'm black panther we don't have a black panther machine only an iron man machine look at this one even bigger but we got an iron but we got a black panther baby in a black panther car we do have a Black Panther, babe, but I only have the Iron Man stuff today because we don't have a lot of time. And this one, you put Iron Man inside of here and you close the door. And look at that. It's got, got the big arm and the fingers here. It's got the little thing to do what it does. It's got the... Blast. It, it blasts. Oh, cool. And so, yeah. I, and so now Soul's playing with this Iron Man. And at some point here, I'll give you back Iron Baby, sure. Uh, Captain, I don't have a Captain America baby. I don't know. I don't have like Sergeant America or Private America. We've just got you. You're all we got. So, sorry. Um, I noticed something that, uh, and Barbies, do you ever feel this way? Do you ever get tired of wearing the same dress? Because you've worn it now for two Sundays in a row, or at least two or three Sundays in a row. It feels like, gosh, if... Some days I just want new stuff. If I only had new things, I want something new and then I'll be happy. But then we get another new thing and it starts to get boring. And you know something? I have to tell you and be serious with you. You were happy before you got the Iron Man. So were you happy before you got that Iron Man? Yeah. You were. And did you make other people happy before you got that Iron Man? Yeah. You made me happy before you got that Iron Man. We, well, we built Legos. Yeah, you built those uh, Iron Man Legos. Oh, yeah, sure. And we have like over 100 uh -huh. Legos. Yeah, there's a lot. I step on them a lot. So, well, Jesus told a big sermon about this one time. That we tend to think that we need lots of stuff in order to be blessed. In order to feel like God is really loving us. Some people convince us that God doesn't love us unless we get more stuff, like more Iron Man toys, more Black Panther toys, more Captain, more dresses. But God's saying, no, 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 no. That isn't really what makes you blessed. Those things are really cool, and God likes for you to have those things. But it's not the toys that make you happy sometimes. And it's not the toys that bring you peace sometimes. And it's not more stuff that makes you blessed by God. It's something else. Do you want to know what that is? Sol, do you want to know what that is? Yep. Well, you'll have to go over to our church's YouTube channel, WPC Tiburon, and find out 
we're going to start talking about something called the Beatitudes this week. And you'll get to hear about all the things that God thinks makes us more blessed. Hi, we forgot to tell you the last part in our next video. Yeah, the next part is uh, our friend Lila is going to share what Westminster means to her uh, in our Stewardship Minute for the day. Say bye. 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 Um, hello, Westminster. My name is Lila Tipton. I'm 16 years old. Um, so I'm a part of the high school youth group that we have at church. And um, I would today like to tell you about um, one experience I had about a month ago where I went to the San Rafael Food Bank and volunteered by um, handing out meals and food in general to people um, who drove up to the food bank. Um, we would package all of these boxes full of different food groups into their cars and it was a really interesting experience to see during COVID. Um, I went with my family and a few church members and I think that it's just um, import important for everyone to know how many families there are in need and um, how it, doing small things like say bagging lunches on Wednesdays and taking them to the church um, or going to the food bank and volunteering can really help some people. And um, I know that I got a lot out of it. Um, it's been one of those things that I like keep thinking about because it was just a really amazing experience to be able to, I mean, it was a sad experience, but it was amazing to be able to help people and um, to be able to see how the food bank works. Um, and that's sort of why I like church because I've gotten to see so many cool, um, meet so many cool people and be able to go on so many fun adventures with everyone at church. And I am so happy with all of the um, friends I've made and experiences I've had, like going on the mission trip and yeah, everything. I just, church is amazing. And I think that if we can get through COVID that we can get through anything. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> Hi everyone, um, I would just like to add on that you should support the church and make a pledge by October 18th for 2021. As we come to our time of prayer together, we do invite you as always to share your joys and concerns. If you're watching with us on Facebook, simply type your prayers right there into the comment section so we can be in prayer together. If you're watching in another way, don't ever hesitate to be in touch with us during the week so we may be in prayer for you and with you. Let us join together now in prayer. Oh God, we have gathered together in your presence with expectation, hungry for an encounter with you, eager to hear your word. When the words of scripture we hear are difficult or challenging or confusing, open our eyes and ears to the presence of your Holy Spirit. When our lives are difficult or challenging or confusing, 
open our hearts to receive your encouragement and your love. Hear us now as we share our prayers of concern with you. In times of weakness, in our hours of need, O oh God, yours is the strength by which we carry on, yours the shoulder on which we rest our head. When our load is heavy and too much to bear, yours are the arms stretched out to help us, the grace on which we depend. Thank you, O oh God, for journeying with us always. Hear us now as we share our prayers of joy and thanksgiving with you. And now we join our voices together to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For our anthem this morning, I want to introduce to you the Hansen Brothers. Many of you have already met them, of course, but they are making their musical debut with Westminster. They're putting their own fun spin on a traditional hymn, Be Thou My Vision. So thank you, Hansons, for sharing your musical gifts with us this morning. Hold on, try again. You got to come in strong with B. Ready? You guys ready? Two, three, four. i 
I confess that on one level I fear I've let you down. With what has come out in the Breonna Taylor case, which was sadly unsurprising, I feel like I should have something to say. The reality is I don't have much to say. I feel a lot, and a lot like many of you feel, confused, frustrated, it seems to me that either our enforcement of the law has to change or the laws themselves have to change because something is wrong and something is broken. But I don't know what else to say about it other than we've clearly got work to do. And I hope I'll do my part and I hope together we'll do our part to do that work. So I'll press on today with the sermon at hand, though I do so with a heavy heart. I also do so, however, with a degree of confidence and certainly a measure of hope that there is something about our faith and living into it and growing in it that will make us better people, that will make us more able to tackle the challenges before us that will help us become more reverent for the sacredness of life, something clearly our society still needs to grasp. We continue with a series on troubling Bible passages. I came up with this idea and I identified many of the passages by reading an article on Salon.com which critiques the faith by lifting up a number of uh, what you might describe as strange scriptural texts 
as if to say to us, well, explain these. And so that's precisely what we're doing. Well, not explaining the texts so much as trying to open them up and understand them on a deeper level. The project here is not to do all kinds of mental gymnastics to try to explain away or defend scripture or make it out to be what it is not. Rather, what we hope to do is reframe what it means to take scripture seriously, to recognize it for what it is, the remnants of the wrestling of our ancestors with what it means to be alive, with how to face the challenges and dangers of their collective as well as personal lives, and how to understand this mysterious one they call God, that we call God, at the heart of all things. And I think we find, as I said last week, that in observing their wrestling, we glean things that will bless us in our own wrestling. Now, the passages for today, the Salon article categorizes under the label, awkwardly useless commandments. It's just two verses from the book of Leviticus. You can see at the end of this time whether you agree. Leviticus 19, 19 and 27. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your animals breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you put on a garment made of two different materials. You shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Perhaps these feel awkwardly useless to you. You might be saying, can't we just do some mindfulness practices and, and call it a day? I mean, we can all agree that's helpful and relevant to our present reality. This, these techniques of relieving stress and anxiety, it's all over many people's workplaces. Our children encounter this in school. It doesn't get bogged down in religion, simple breathing and being aware. Why do we have to get into strange practices about mixing an animal husbandry and, and, and planting practices? And keep your hands off my polyester blend. In all seriousness, don't we just want something that will help us become better people, more caring, more generous, more thoughtful, more just, more reverent people. Well, I would say that is precisely what we're looking for. And I would also say you can find it in our ancient scripture texts. But you're not likely to find it by sitting down and just reading through the Bible cold, as admirable as that may be, that's just as likely to lead you to dismiss it altogether. It takes help to discover the meaning there. 
And you don't need to listen to me. In fact, go, if you want to, even a better source, go sit at the feet of a rabbi. If you've never been to a Torah study at a synagogue, I encourage you to do so. They will open up for you all kinds of layers of meaning of these remnants of sacred wisdom passed down for us. At least find a reputable biblical commentary series. Talk to me if you need help with that. Likewise, we'll open up these passages for you. Otherwise, it's just likely that you'll struggle. Why? Why bother, you might say? Well, consider this. The books that comprise what we call the Old Testament form the only scripture that Jesus Christ ever had. Now, they were in a different order, but the same works. If you care about him, you would do well to care about, care about what taught him. And moreover, the Old Testament is not half the Bible. It accounts for closer to 80% of Scripture. So again, you would do well to pay attention. Well, if nothing else, it helps to have the most basic of contexts when you encounter readings such as these. What we have in the community that produced Leviticus is a people that are learning how to function as a community, as a nation. They've encountered newfound freedom, and yet they spend centuries as a minority population, struggling for their own survival. Those of you who've been attending the Wednesday class, I know have talked about some of this contextual truth and reality background. But their survival depends on their ability to establish and preserve a sense of identity of who they are, lest they not endure for another generation. And identity isn't just formed and maintained through lofty ideas, but identity is lived out in tangible ways in everyday life. What we wear, how we speak, what and how we eat, the rituals we practice, how we come together. Every day lived out practices. And so what you see is the formation of a nation and the formation of the practices that distinguishes the people from others. Forming a people is no small task. I was reading this year about the death of an Old Testament professor from Union Seminary in Virginia. Dr. Deuteronomy, they called him. Now, how's that for a nickname? His real name was Dean McBride. And McBride was famous or infamous, depending on your perspective, for passing out syllabi at the beginning of the semester that were often 40 to 50 pages in length because it took that much material to invite his students to recognize just how massive a task it is to form a people. That's what's giving birth to these texts. 
Now, conveniently, you'll notice that the Salon article just cherry-picks up particular verses to address, neglecting the larger context, which we won't do here. So let me lift up a few of the other verses that precede and surround the verses you heard today. See if they change your reaction to these verses. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely and you shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do you hear that refrain? It's like the scaffolding, the foundation of this structure. You shall not defraud your neighbor. You shall not steal. You shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. and You shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And do these seem useless? They're silly? Out of date, I think we have a long way to go in living up even to these basic precepts. Just five verses after the second verse that I read at the outset. Leviticus reads, when an alien resides with you in the land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is a people far more vulnerable than we. And yet here they are. Holding as sacred a commandment to open themselves to the alien. And we have nothing to learn from them. The Jewish law often carries with it a practical and a theological side to it, though that distinction is a modern one. They wouldn't separate what is good for your body and good for your soul. That's a modern creation. No, they carry these levels and layers of meaning, but they hold them all together. I'll give you an example. Think of all the, the bathing rituals, which were common in many in Jewish 
law and practice. Now, we might uh, understandably understand them as simply spiritual or symbolic in nature. But of course, there was a physical side to that too. There's lots in Judaism about the importance of, of running water, for example, and you can imagine the health consequences for that. And in fact, some of their practices were so helpful that tragically and ironically, it came back to haunt them as a people throughout history. Because not everyone around them always had the same level of practices and awareness. And so as a result, sometimes when disease would sweep through, the Jews would not get sick. And so what this happened with the Romans and in times since, the Jews would then become accused of poisoning wells and other malicious acts, which were completely unfounded. And this way of thinking undergirded anti-Semitism throughout history. Now, as a Christian, I should never assume I fully understand the layers of meaning behind any particular Jewish custom or law. But certainly all of us, on even a basic metaphorical level, given what I've said about who the people were who gave birth to these texts through the Spirit, certainly we can understand the value and the metaphor of, of not mixing when you're trying to preserve your own people. We're not talking here about racial purity in the sense of some uh, force that's trying to take over the world and oppress. We're talking about people who are trying to survive and they need to carve out who they are and who they aren't, that their generations might endure. And similarly with the commandment about the hair and the beard, we may have lost touch with the origin or the passed down meaning, significance of that practice. But surely we can understand the value in having a visible sign and marker that reminds you who you are and what values you espouse and to whom you belong and the ideals that shape your community. These practices look different to us simply because they're not ours. Others would say the same thing, I'm sure, about us. I wonder how many of you have seen the Netflix series, Unorthodox. I'm thinking here of the hair and the beard. One of the things that has made that series such a success is I think it provides such a tangible uh, doorway, window into uh, a community, a particular community of Jews. It shows you uh, not just the ideas, but the very daily practices of how these people live and preserve their identity. And there's a degree of fetishism to it, voyeurism, you might say. But it's easy to be drawn in because it is so unfamiliar. And you see the reverence and the seriousness with which they take those customs. Well, there's one scene in that series in which a man goes to find his spouse who has chosen to leave the community. And he wishes to bring her back. And one of the ways he demonstrates the lengths to which he would go to bring her back is he takes one of those curled locks of hair and he cuts it. Now, I can never fully understand what it means for someone who follows that practice to do that. 
but anyone can see on his face the pain that it carries. And that's not to denigrate her choice to leave that community, but it is to say that observing custom, ritual, practice, tradition, even law, is anything but trivial to the people who truly get it. There's a wonderful rabbi named Danya Ruttenberg. She's a marvelous social media follow. She often does writing that teaches non-Jews about Jewish life and Jewish traditions. And not long ago, she was writing about the place of law in Jewish life. And wouldn't you know, she compared the observance of Jewish law to mindfulness. A way of moving through the world that is attentive and intentional, embodied, connectional, grounding. The very things we seem to be so desperately seeking. Evidenced by the fact that if you look, we're grasping for those kinds of rituals all the time. What did we do as a church just a few weeks back when we invited the children to drive by the church? We blessed their backpacks ritual, just made up. We presented them with a board and said, uh, put this down and step across it when you begin your school day. Recognizing that their, their school is taking place in the same space that is used for their play and their family time but to help transform that space so they could get in the mode for school best they could. Powerful ritual, entirely made up. It's just a board. But you don't have to be a sociologist or a psychologist to understand and recognize the importance and the power of such rituals. We do it all the time. Many of us have practices we employ. Maybe you have some. You take a deep breath when you go through a doorway. You have quiet meditation. You have an exercise routine that you do. Any of you who've worked in an office has attended the dreaded office birthday party. More a pathway to sheet cake addiction than anything significant. It is an attempt to celebrate the individual and, and to, to build some semblance of a community. I think often that fabric is quite thin, but that's Part of the point in the problem that we're just grasping at a smorgasbord here because we've lost the kinds of rituals and practices that bind us. Why do you think yoga has taken off so much in our culture? Well, it's an extraordinary practice, communal, embodied, grounding, not layered in a bunch of things that will just pull us in different directions, helps you connect to your breath, the source, and you leave to face the day feeling different and better prepared to show up as a better version of yourself. What could be more practical than seeking out such practices that might build a stronger fabric between us and within us? Maybe we could learn a lot from those who came before us who taught us the importance of putting things in place to make us more 
caring, generous, kind, resourceful, creative, reverent people. We know the shadow side of custom and rule, but let us not forget the blessing of having a structure to support us and hold us when we face chaotic times. Some years ago, my grandmother died. I remember coming out of the funeral home and getting into the car to join the procession to the next hamlet over where the cemetery was, where they would lay her body to rest. And as we wound through the West Virginia countryside on those Appalachian roads that some of you will know, we came to a construction crew that was doing some road work. In recognizing that it was a funeral procession, they did something rather remarkable. The men stopped working and they stood along and lined the road. And they took off their construction helmets, their hard hats, and set them across their heart. Just plastic hats, just an organ that pumps blood. Is it useless? Silly? Meaningless? Or is it a sign that we still know how to put things in place that teach us how to practice moving through the world, honoring the sacredness of life. You decide. Amen. many things that continue to go on in the life of this beloved community. Uh, one I was a part of just this past, uh, last night and the night before, our middle schoolers and high schoolers were gathering for a bonfire and movie and to write some cards for people in need of some help. Uh, it was great to be able to finally see each other's eyes, I guess. Uh, but I ran into one of our parents who with some of they had just discovered that we are podcasting, that you can find this worship service on at WPC Tiburon on all on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all the podcasting platforms really. Uh, and also the evening and morning prayers 
have now a special podcast channel just for themselves. It's called the WPC Daily Dose, which also you can find on all the podcasting platforms. So if you're going for a morning or evening walk and you like to listen to something, we would love to go along with you on those walks or jogs or whenever you might be listening to podcasts. Uh, another great resource for you is WPCTiburon.org, where you can find all the links and information. You can find the link to give. You can find information on how to do text giving. Um, so we are we try to be everywhere all at once, uh, not in person, but virtually, as probably many of us are adjusting. This next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month, which means we will be worshiping over Zoom. You will find links at WPCTiburon.org. You will also find them in the e-news. We look forward to worshiping with you there. And of course, that uh, worship service will be broadcast later on, on YouTube and live. It will be broadcast live on Facebook. Uh, and that same day, later in the day, in the church parking lot, if you have an animal, we would love for you to bring an animal over uh, or a picture of that animal for a special drive-through blessing of the animals to celebrate the joy that these animals give us and also to offer them a blessing too. And lastly, next, the week after that, October 11th, we will have a new members orientation class. And maybe you've found us recently and would like to be a part of Westminster in a more intentional way, or you've been putting off uh, orientation and what it means to be a new member at Westminster and maybe you do have that extra bit of time now and this is an opportunity to take advantage of it. So we, we of course uh, would love to include you in the life of this uh, family of God in more ways than before. Look forward to seeing you there. Our closing hymn today is Open My Eyes, so please join us. Open my eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Place in my hands the wonderful key That shall unclasp and set me free Silently now I wait for thee Ready, my God, thy will to see Thou sendest clear, and what?
from this place. May the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, go with you now and always. Amen. As we gather for worship this morning, please join us. So, one, two. Open my eyes to see life that's full of Space of heaven drawing near. Open my eyes to see life that's full, abundant, free. Open my ears to hear whispers of heaven drawing near. Open my eyes to see life that's full, abundant, free. Open my ears to hear whispers of heaven. Of heaven. 